Hey everybody, welcome. Today is October 5th, 2012. This is episode number 33. I am your host, Ivanius, and welcome to Through the Palantir, Lotro from a Different Perspective. Alright, obviously, we are very close to Rohan launching, and, well, you know, th there's a little bit of news before Rohan, but mostly it's just the calm before the storm. And unfortunately, you're gonna have to put up with this for a little bit longer, because my next episode, I'm going to be trying my very hardest to record one or two days before Rohan actually launches. That way, the episode after that, I'll have had plenty of time to actually play Rohan and figure out where it all stands, but instead of just giving immediate analysis. So that's how that's going to go. So I have to uh, endure until probably the 20-something of October to actually hear about Rohan itself on this particular podcast. But you'll manage to survive. Anyway, before we get on with the rest of this episode, there is a quick little disclaimer. Through the Palantir does not own any of the intellectual properties discussed. They are owned by Warner Brothers, Turbine, Salzance Corporation, etc., etc., etc. We don't make money on this. We do this for entertainment and as a benefit to the player base. I was going to say mankind, but really, we can't even think to aim that high. We'll just try to benefit the player base and anyone who listens to the show. And benefit those who don't listen to the show by giving them the gift of not having to hear the show. There we go. Multiple levels covered. Anyway, a quick word from our sponsors. Through the Palantir is brought to you by Alpha Warg Chow. With Alpha Warg Chow, your pup will have everything that it needs to grow up to be a pack alpha rather than just another meat shield out there to be turned into a rug. Alpha Warg Chow contains over 69 different vitamins, minerals, elf ears, and other kinds of great things of goodness for worginess and for enhancement of growth and evil. With Alpha Warg Chow, your warg will grow up to be the monstrous killing machine capable of tearing the arms and heads off of guardians and champions with naught but its claws and jaws that you've always wanted it to be. And it will be loyal to you because of the addictive substances that are given to it in the Alpha Warg Chow that you, the master and feeder, provide it with and that it needs to survive. Or at least it thinks it does. Alpha Warg Chow, your warg will love you forever. Because it must. And by Moose Mail. Why would you ever think of entrusting your valuable possessions that you're sending by mail to other people that you want to arrive intact to clumsy humans? Humans are lazy and they, they only really care about themselves. They're not concerned about the packages and treating them very nicely. They just want to get their job done. They'll throw them in, however, and get them smashed between grand pianos and anvils and Acme products and stuff. Instead, you can trust your valuable little packages to a moose. Just strap it on the back of that thing, set it up with the... <laughs> very intelligent color coding system and cataloging, and the moose will have it delivered, eventually. But it will be intact. Moose mail, because it's just more reliable than those clumsy bipeds. Moose mail is not available in certain countries and continents. See back of moose for details. Okay, now that that analysis is out of the way, let's get started with the show in all seriousness and properly. Okay, so what I've done. After I recorded the last episode, I w it was pretty light for quite a while. Uh, I spent a lot of time not really interested in Lotro stuff. I was playing Team Fortress 2 instead, which is neither here nor there, uh, but just really wasn't getting into game. And then I finally started getting back in the game because of some of the stuff my kinship was doing, which pulled me back for a little bit, but I still wasn't really interested. And then finally I got back in uh, for the Harvest Festival and to level my captain and just do stuff. Uh, so the first thing was... I. Uh, 
another round with the uh, the kinship for Drygok and uh, for a Creep Knight. And uh, let's see, the Creep Knight, it was okay. There were, there's only three people that showed up, so it turned into uh, something a little bit different than that. In the end, I ended up just doing an open raid standardly, and eh, it was okay. It was kind of a, a mediocre night as far as I'm concerned. The people who were there that weren't me seemed to enjoy it, which is fine, but I wasn't particularly happy with how things went on that particular night. Uh, but it was funny just because for my kinship, we use TeamSpeak as our voice chat system that we like to use. And then at the same time, there were tribe mates on and stuff, so I was in Ventrilo with them, and then as we started to get a couple more people in, because we were trying to build up at least some kind of group before I ended up opening up the raid fully, and then one of them didn't have either of those, so I, they were voice chat, and the way I have my keys set up for that is I use this, the default key for voice communication Lotro, which is Z. Now right next to Z is this little button on your keyboard that's called X. And uh, for those of you who might not know, X is the default for camera lock, but for years now, X has been my ventrilo key. So when I, the camera lock first came out, uh, I was hitting X to talk and stuff, and then I found out about the camera lock and I had to go fix that problem, because I cannot have camera lock be the button I use to talk to my tribe. So anyway, Z and X are taken up for voice systems, and then next over is C, which is the character panel, so don't do anything with that. And then there's this V key, which V for voice, or V for team speak. So yeah, I had three different buttons, so I could maintain three different conversations at once. It didn't work out so well. That, that many different voice systems and stuff, yeah, I, I can monitor all three, I can't participate in all three at once. And eventually I got it to just using regular voice chat and occasionally giving a comment or two in the, uh, the team speak mostly. Which, it's great for that, particularly because the guys who did show up, they're newer to the Etmores and stuff. So being able to be on a separate communication system with them and just talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on, give them pointers or whatever, explain what's happening, that is fantastic for that. Ventrilo, I mean, that's just talking with other friends of mine and stuff, but that one kind of fell by the wayside. That one would have been great if the uh, tribe mates had been a little bit more separated and stuff instead of just grouped up inside of my raid. Uh, that would have been fantastic for just coordinating a second group, and then TeamSpeak could have been, you know, doing some coaching or whatever, answering questions, and then regular voice for leading. Potentially would have worked. Didn't go ahead and pan out that way, but. It was interesting that I finally had the opportunity to use all three systems at once and have to worry about three different buttons, and at some points hold down all three buttons at once and say the exact same thing. So that was amusing for that. Uh, then there was the Drygok run, and for Drygok, I signed up as the I was the first guardian that signed up, so I ended up tanking the thing, which. I wasn't totally sure I'd be able to tank it, I was a little concerned about that, but it was actually a lot easier than originally thought. I did wipe us, let's see, uh, twice? Because, well, the way that we do it, and this is actually kind of a cheating thing, but the Guardian doesn't actually hold aggro on Dragok's head when we do it. The Guardian grabs the head's aggro, and then it's just the Guardian and the Captain upstairs. And then the Captain heals the Guardian, and they get the aggro. And then the Guardian just stands there doesn't do anything. The captain's out of line of sight of the dragon, so he doesn't get hit or anything. They just stand there, 
keep the Guardian alive. The Guardian just stands there, and uh, as <laughs> the kinmates were explained to me, you stand there and you look pretty. Well, uh, that wasn't actually explained in any of the pre-reading materials or anything that I'd read, so I was just trying to tank the thing and I got myself killed, and uh, also the captain got killed, and so we wiped once because of that. And then at tier 2, uh, I misread which way the dragon was going the first time we got there, and so ran the wrong way, got everybody killed because it wasn't in position when the dragon got to his next ledge. Really big mistake there. But after that, both the captain and I knew what it looked like for which way the dragon was going, so we learned from our mistakes. I think that was... yeah, that, just those two times. But then after that, uh, because my job was fairly boring, stand there, look pretty, I spent a lot of time emoting. So the, the slash me command is, is my friend, because that is a great way to just type stuff. And uh, I assaulted the dragon with many varied and terrible things. Uh, I tried physical assaulting, physically assaulting him. Didn't work out so well. The axe wasn't very effective. Uh, all I could do was give him a slight trim on his little beard. which That dragon does have a beard, which is kind of weird looking. Pepper was a bad idea. I threw pepper at him and he decided to breathe fire instead. That, was, that did not work at all. Uh, attacking him with the Obamacare legislation, that was one of the best timed moments ever, because as soon as I showed him that legislation, he shrieked in terror and fell to the bottom of the cave and was prone on the floor for several minutes as the rest of the raid hammered upon his body and attempted to kill him. They didn't do as much damage as the legislation did, but still, it was a very effective tool. Uh, then I decided that terrible movies was my next option. So uh, after a lot of movies, eventually we got to Ishtar, and that's when I found out that the rest of the raid, not just the captain myself, could actually see these emotes that I was putting on, because all of a sudden this big discussion about Ishtar and other bad movies started up. And, uh, well, the long story short, we did succeed in killing the dragon. I, I got killed one more time during Phase 3, but we did get me rezzed, and uh, after that we didn't have any problems. I died pretty much because the raid... They tried to attack both behind legs at once, which meant, that's, I, which meant I had to stand there for a long time with absolutely no healing, instead of the typical attack a back leg, then come up and attack a front leg so that the healers can throw some heals at the guys tanking. And uh, after we got that sorted, no more problems really. But fortunately we did have one other guardian who was able to step up when I was down and take care of things, so everything did work out. But uh, it, was, it was good, and at the end of it they were very happy with how I did, and they, they said I was very good. Uh, I'm absolutely certain, and I told them that they only liked me because I brought up Ishtar, which, honestly, when I brought it up, I only knew about Ishtar just from the Farside Gallery comic, and then later I did some research and stuff, and actually it looks like an interesting movie. I'm going to have to watch that. It seems like it wasn't actually as bad as it was originally made out to be. It was mostly just slammed because it was expensive. Which, in Hollywood, what's not expensive? You can sneeze and have to pay 20 bucks. I know that. I'm from L.A. Alright, but anyway, uh, looting ritual, everything went pretty well. I picked up the shoulder pieces, so unlike most people, I got both of the raid pieces of Dragot gear before I was even close to having the rest of the stuff. I, I had two other pieces, and then I was eight seals short of being able to get my uh, chest piece. So I was very sad about that. Nowhere near enough medallions to pick up the uh, last thing I need. I think those are boots. Because I think I've got the gloves. Boots or gloves, one of them. So I'm missing two pieces, but I've got four. Uh, very happy with that. Uh, if I do some more instances, I'm going to be able to pick up one more piece of Drygot gear. I think that'll give me the full set bonus. And uh, that'll be pretty well set. 
and you know, tanking didn't go that badly at all. I, I was only pushing a bit over 11k with buffs and stuff, but it really wasn't that bad. I was pleasantly surprised with it. So, my Guardian's actually in a semi-decent position now as far as his gear and everything goes. So that's very, very nice. Uh, let's see, uh, then I played my Captain a bit, uh, mostly with the, the Haunted Burrow and stuff, which the Haunted Burrow, the first thing I did when I finally logged in for the festival was I went out to the horse vendor and I, I checked the prices and I saw 60 festival tokens for the new one and I was just, oh, that's so steep. And then I got to the Haunted Burrow and I remembered just how fast you get tokens there. And I blew through it with my captain in two days. I had both horses. And I also got the Boo Emote on the uh, third day, I want to say. No, I think I went down that the second as well. Uh, the Guardian took three days. Uh, the big difference was, for some reason, the captain, he had to do the intro quest first. And then he had the deed to do all the different quests. So he got a bunch of extra tokens from doing that deed. And he did a couple other extra things. Whereas the Guardian didn't have that advantage, and so he took a little bit longer. Also, I forgot to do the horse race on the Guardian on the first day, which would have helped him a little bit, but, oh well, it meant he had to wait an extra day to do the horse races again to have enough horse tokens. But I did get both of them their stuff, and uh, after I got the horses, that was pretty much it. I, I did get my captain the Boo emote, but there just really isn't a whole lot in festivals that I, I like to get. I like to do the deeds, I like the horses, I'll sometimes go for an emote or something, but typically I, the cosmetic stuff is really not my cup of tea for the most part. Uh, I'm mostly there for the horses, I'll be honest, and the emotes. But even lately, I haven't been stocking up on emote items like I used to do a couple years ago. Uh, the last time I was in the summer festival, I didn't pick up anything. So, yeah, it's just a little strange. But, finished up with that. Uh, then I, my captain went back to leveling and... I only picked up one level. I went through all of Starkmoor, I got through all of the Dunbog, so I basically finished off two of the zones within Dunland and got one level out of it. He is level 70 now, but man, he doesn't seem to be going as fast as I remember my Guardian going. Maybe it's just because he didn't do the uh, Fellowship quest up in Starkmoor with the, uh, the arena, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be quite the same pace. Of course, everything is a whole lot easier, because when I took the Guardian there, that was when Isengard first launched. And back when Isengard first launched, I was very happy, because all of the NPCs hit like actual monsters. And then they all got nerfed within a couple of months. But back when Isengard first launched, it was really nice to see just how threatening and deadly and menacing the monsters were. It was really a breath of fresh air, in all honesty. I wish they hadn't toned them down as much as they have, but... Oh well, they did. Let's see, after that I uh, did my war leader a little bit, took him out a couple nights, uh, did some raiding stuff, uh, actually had some, some decent wins there. Uh, one of the one night in particular, I'll have to talk about that a little bit later, I think I'll cover that in player news, just because there's uh, some stuff that happened there that is pertinent to that. But otherwise, uh, nothing's particularly serious. He's almost at 125,000 infamy, so he's at 124. So I, I need 26,000 infamy. It's possible to pick up that much before Rohan launches. I don't think I will do it, but we'll see how close I get. It'll be interesting to see how far along that he comes. And uh, that's pretty much all that I've done in-game. 
Oh wait, no, I, I forgot one other thing. <laughs> I also did uh, start my new account, uh, the free account, and uh, I, cr I created a, a dwarf minstrel, and I leveled him up to seven in one shot, and I did that, I think, the, I think I did that the day after I recorded the last episode. And then I, I finished leveling him to ten before I started playing the, the uh, Haunted Burrow. So I got that whole thing set up for that project that I talked about in the last episode. But of course I haven't yet bought the War Leader, even though the stuff is on sale right now. It's pretty much all set up and ready to go for when Rohan launches and I'm uh, out there with Ending. I'll be able to have a fresh rolled War Leader. Hey, stop judging me about that War Leader. I need it to be able to do this. I need it. That's right, baby hobbit. Uh, what else have I done? I mean, I, I did play other games. I finally finished off Marathon Durandal on the hardest difficulty level. I did that yesterday, and I was very happy when I did that, which means I've only got Infinity left to conquer, because I'm still playing those games. I'm trying to beat them all on the hardest difficulty, and I'm now two of three. And then I'll have my deed finished, and I'll have more determination. Uh, but <laughs> that really doesn't matter to Lotro. Although, funnily enough, that does remind me of something I ran into uh, just uh, not too long before I started recording right now, actually. Uh, I was out on my captain, and uh, just a couple days ago, I finally finished reading Frankenstein, which I've been trying to read that for a good seven, eight months now. It's been torturously slow because I hate the main character, and he drives me insane. I thought that the Aes Sedai in Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time drove me up against the wall. No, no, Victor Frankenstein is the worst person I've ever had to deal with as a fictional character that I've had to tolerate the presence of. Uh, but anyway, how this pertains to Locho, uh, somebody was talking about um, something in the Epic Quest, and somebody responded that they, they felt bad about having vendored Sigileth's knife. Sigileth is one of the hidden guard from the uh, Book 9 of Volume 2, the, the Moria stuff, the Hidden Guard take Mazog along on the little trek through Mirkwood, if you all recall that. And I just responded instantly, what could possibly make you think that that waste of oxygen, referring to Sigilus, that her knife could have possibly been worth more than the coins that you managed to get for it? Just completely slammed her, and then the, the, the instant first response after that was, you're gonna burn in hell for that! Which I found absolutely hilarious. Uh, but I realized something then. That the, the Hidden Guard really also drove me up against the wall just because they're so infernally dumb. And incredibly dumb. <laughs> Absolutely. But Victor Frankenstein is even more so. Uh, he's actually was able to outdo them for being completely genre-blind and oblivious. Which it is to such a degree that it has to be summed up properly. And there, there's somebody else who can do that. So uh, here's a short sound clip of somebody that might be familiar to you, uh, summing up Victor Frankenstein's obliviousness. You're Mr. Thick, Thick, Thickety, Thick Face from Thick Town, Thickania. And so's your dad. Yeah, that put it pretty much correct. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing to add on top of that, but uh, except that the Hidden Guard are almost as bad. So uh, anyway, let's go on to game news. Welcome to Game News, and we've got nothing! Okay, that's not entirely true. Uh, there have been a couple of short updates and stuff bringing the servers down. Apparently they've updated the uh, the ticket function and the, the whole ticket system. I haven't seen 
anything about how that's gone into effect. Uh, the <clears throat> new technology that they mentioned on the uh, last patch notes that they gave us that I mentioned last episode, uh, it turns out they only did it to one server, which was Windfulla, and as you probably heard if you listen to other podcasts, when they turned the stuff on, it crashed the server. Uh, it, it seems that they may have fixed that because they're apparently implementing it to everywhere else, but we're not going to see it until Rohan, from what I recall of the news that was given out. So that's kind of where that all is. Uh, other than that, there really hasn't been any major game news and stuff. Uh, I will mention that the Fall Festival is going to be ending on the 14th, which is the day before Rohan launches. So uh, make sure that you finish up your Harvest Math stuff before Rohan hits here. And uh, that is game news. Very short, I know, but as I said, it is the lull before the expansion. Alright, and on to our main topic of the day. And today's topic is going to be a little bit more general than usual, uh, but today I'm going to talk about instances in Lotro, in particular just how to go about them in general. Some basic information, tips and stuff for how to do instances, get get started with doing instances, get together your own groups to do instances and stuff like that. So it's going to be very generic and basic and stuff, but hopefully there's going to be some useful information and uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. So anyway, uh, the first thing is that there are two major instance sizes for Lord of the Rings Online. There are three mans, or small fellowship, and there's six mans, or fellowship size. Uh, we're not going to worry about raids in this uh, particular section, because raids, even skirmish raids, I think fall into a different category of their own. They're a lot more complex and difficult, and it's certainly more difficult to gather that many people and herd them up, and we're mostly focused on standard instances, whereas they are designated as instances and raids by the developers themselves and their own tools, so we will keep that distinction. So anyway, instances, uh, they can be a daunting prospect for new players, uh, for people who are casual, who go through the game slowly, and then they, they finally find themselves at level cap, having played for months and months, or even years, and they find themselves at the end of the epic storyline at last, with little to do, or finally at the end of the epic storyline, and there's instances and things and ways to improve your character, but you might not necessarily know how to go about doing that. Well, step one, as explained by Scott Adams, don't panic. Instances are a challenge, yes, but they're not a exceedingly great or terrifying challenge. They're just a challenge that you haven't faced before or maybe don't have a whole lot of experience with. Nothing to be too terrified of. You're going to have to deal with other human beings and people across the internet which carries inherent dangers at all times, because you never know when they're going to ask for a cookie, but you can solve these problems and face them and keep your dignity and not end up crying in your basement in a corner, huddled under a blanket, sucking your thumb with your teddy bear. Alright, the first step is to get or join a group. Now, this is typically the place where most people have trouble. Uh, there's a huge percentage of the population that is willing to join a group. There's a very small percentage of the playing population that is willing to open or lead a group. Now, leading a group is not very difficult. The big challenges might be 
if you're doing a, a brand new instance to you and you don't know what's going on, what's going to be coming at you, that's always a little nerve-wracking. But it's nothing to be really too terrified of. There are certain tricks that the developers like to use, and there are certain things you can do that you can set up that will allow you to overcome them. Now, I'll be honest here, joining a group, some people will make forming a group like pulling teeth, where they have to have an exact, perfect composition, and if everything isn't just so, and just right, then oh no, we can't possibly do it, and everything is doomed, and disaster lurks, and drama, or something like that. More like trauma. Lord of the Rings Online is not a hardcore game. You can get by on many different requirements with secondary or uh, off roles. For instance, captains can often heal instances if they're very good at what they do. Whereas, so a minstrel may maybe not necessarily always needed. It just depends what difficulty you're at, how good the people you're with are, and a ton of other factors that are going on. Now for starting off, you're obviously going to want to keep a pretty traditional setup just to be comfortable, especially if you're leading the group. So that means you're going to want a tank and a healer, uh, potentially two healers or two tanks. Those are always great as an extra safety net. And then load it up with whatever else you can find. Uh, utility rules are fantastic. So lore masters, burglars, great to have. Captains kind of fall into the everything, so they are always welcome for everybody. If you can have a captain as your second healer and your second tank, now you're set. But anyway, one mistake that some people make, and it's more of a personal choice, not necessarily a mistake, I consider it a mistake just because it slows things down, is they will be very, very meticulous in looking for specific classes or a specific type, rather than uh, trying to work with what they have. So they will spend an eternity waiting around to find a tank or a healer instead of just trying to go out there and see what happens. And best thing you can do when you're leading the group or with the group is turn off the little switch in your head that tells you that you care about what other people think and just try stuff. Jump into it, okay? Uh, some of the best times that you have probably had in game or can have in game are when you go out and you do something crazy and dumb and possibly get yourselves killed or even better, survive it, but you just have fun. You do it just because it's there, and you're not worried about being perfect. Don't worry about being perfect and all that, and don't let the stress get you, and things will turn out pretty well. Plus, it's much better to actually try something than to sit around, waste a whole lot of time, and do nothing, and then finally get around to it or finally call it quits. What's the point in wasting time? This is le a leisure activity try to make it fast and work with what you got. Now the next thing is advertising and trying to find a group and this is particularly for leading. Some people will use the instance finder. In general the instance finder tends not to be very effective. People are not the most fond of using the instance finder even on the really high population servers it can be very difficult. It's much better if you just go directly to the genie lamp for fellowships also known as the GLFF uh, or whatever your server calls it and you just advertise. Be persistent, uh, be creative, be funny, and people will join. You can get them. Doesn't matter if you if they've seen your name before or not. You can get people to join you if you're just persistent and keep asking. Especially the more open that you make it, the less restrictive. Without saying we need this or that or that, if you just 
keep inviting anybody at all, you will get people because people are always attracted to things that they find intriguing, amusing, and potentially fun. Now then, inside of instances, there are a few things to be aware of that if you just remember these, it's going to help you out a whole lot and generally make things easy. The first is always keep your eyes open because you never know when there's going to be a sudden extra group of presence, also known as monsters or enemies, that's going to come into the fight. Uh, this is a trick that developers in many games like to use, where at health thresholds or whatever, extra people will come and join the party and liven up the melee. If you remember that this can happen at any time and keep your eyes open for it, don't be constantly looking for it, but just be aware of it and have a plan in mind for what to do when, if it happens, then you're going to be a lot better off. So if you're the hunter and you know potentially there could be more guys coming and you just say, well, I'm going to keep Reign of Thorns ready. So if I see more guys coming, I'm going to root them so that I can call it out so that we have some time to deal with it. Fantastic. You've got a plan. You're not going to be blindsided by the whole thing. You're not going to panic about it because you've already figured out what you're going to do. The next is positioning. Always try to stay behind the tank or on the other side of the tank. The reason you, you stay behind the tank is because you don't want to get too close to your opponents. Staying on the other side of the tank allows you to attack people from behind. So the mobs, the boss, whatever, they will have aggro on the tank. They will face him. If you face their backs, then you get to do extra damage because they cannot block and they cannot parry when you are standing behind them. And if you're a burglar, you get even more damage because you've got positional bonuses. So stand in one of those two places and don't stand where you're not supposed to. Third thing to look for is stuff on the floor. So whenever there's things that appear on the floor, great explosions of fire, puddles of muck, whatever, generally it is a good idea to stay away from them. So if you see things appearing on the floor, make a note of it. Stay out of it. Warn everybody else if you've got the opportunity or the equipment to do so. If you don't have a microphone, probably not the best idea to stop and type out a message about things on the floor. Well, unless you're a hunter, you've got time to do it. <laughs> okay, that was me, the hunters. Alright, uh, next step is always try to move as a unit. Particularly stay with the leader if you are one of the members, and if you're the leader, try to lead the way. So even if you don't necessarily know where you're going, most instances are laid out in a fairly straightforward manner where it's not too difficult to figure out which way to go. So you should be able to get a decent idea of where the right direction is. And of course, if you're new to a particular instance, go ahead and warn people or let them know, ask for help or suggestions or anything else. You never know who you're going to get with you. And they might be very familiar with a given instance and be able to tell you everything that's going to happen in it. So it's always a good idea to check the knowledge base of the people that are in your group and see what comes up. But the final thing for making it an easy transition into joining groups and stuff is remember that you're there to have fun. And so do whatever you want to or need to in order to remind yourself of that and actually do it. Celebrate your victories, however small they are, and enjoy yourself in there. If you deliberately work at making it a fun experience and try to enjoy yourself, you're much more likely to actually enjoy yourself and get other people to enjoy it. 
Uh, like many things in life, you'll get what you put in. If you put a lot in, then you'll get a lot out of the experience. If you don't talk, you stand back there, and you don't really offer your, your opinions or anything to the group, you just stand around and do your DPS or whatever and stay closed off, you're not going to get a whole lot out of the experience. If you open up and uh, try to invest in the entire time, experience, opportunity, you'll get a lot more out of it. And remember to pack lots of potions, bring food and buffs, and that there is an ignore button for people who need it. That's all that I've got to offer now as far as generic advice, so good luck in getting out and doing instances, and take some chances, you never know what you're going to find. Okay, that concludes the uh, main topic. This is the third time in a row that I've come into the episode with no idea of what the actually last time I did have some idea before I started recording. But uh, man, I've got to I've got to get a schedule figured out and plot out some main topic points. This was a lot easier when I was still doing roundtables. Ay ay ay. I'm gonna have to talk to Mathram and see if I can get him to do some stuff. Uh, which reminds me, episode 16. I am still having trouble getting those two guys on to finish recording that, but it is still scheduled and trying to come out. I'm just trying to get back in touch with them so I can record the, the section I want to with them. And once that's done, I'll have the whole thing up the final editing process and hopefully have it out very shortly. But once again, it's being delayed. This is kind of par for the course of that episode. But we'll see if it actually comes to fruition this time around, and it just depends on how persistent I am and if I can finally get them. Uh, other than that, uh, the uh, the big thing I mentioned from the player news, no, from the what I've done thing, uh, on one particular night, uh, what happened was the the raid leader of the Freeps uh, came to me on his creep, and he started talking to me about how he wanted to do this experiment, we'll call it where we were going to take two of the outposts up in the north and then we were going to fight in between them but with our raids and then we would leave some resers alive and then back off once there was just a couple resers and people left let the other side res up if you had won and then go at it again so the idea was multiple open field raid fights in a, a very short period of time so the whole uh, extra rules and stuff this makes it sound very farmish and fight club-like, and then there's the obvious communication between both sides, which then you get people shouting, Collusion! Collusion! and all that, and you start walking into dangerous territory as far as how the community is going to respond to this stuff when you go into this kind of territory. So I had to think about it for a while, but I did talk with my raid, and what I decided was we would give it a try, and I told them, Right, we're going up towards this area. The freak raid leader talked to me. He wants to do some open field fights. Uh, we're going to give it one try. and uh, So that they actually knew what was going on, what we were getting into. And they, I, they wouldn't be able to say that I led them in there with, without telling them what was actually happening. Because if you keep your people informed, that's going to be <laughs> a very good uh, step towards making sure things are, are a lot easier to handle when fallout comes, because with it being the internet and all that, there is going to be negative fallout. People are not going to like what you're doing. So we went up there, and <laughs> two raids met, they fought, 
and first time our guys got pretty badly beaten and then the uh, Freebs backed off at a certain area. Apparently they had a, a limit to how far they were extending. Their their leader was keeping them from going from running too far. And then we got our people up off the ground. And then the second round, uh, I managed to get into a decent position and get the entire raid engaged and pushed into the Freebs. And we killed most of them, and then when it was time to stop and leave somebody alive to res, there was nobody who could res left alive. There was just a, I think a guardian, a champion, left standing, and that was it. So it didn't really work out that way. So then the, the guy came back over and talked a little bit more, and I told him I wanted to move it to, to our hot spot and stuff, and then it was just kind of shuffling back and forth. And eventually the night ended because his raid collapsed because they the Freebs were not happy with what he was doing, and they all left. Uh, they got wiped out, I think, once or twice more at TR, and they got pushed back in there a couple more times, but I think we only wiped out the whole raid one more time, because there was only one other fight. Uh, and then I took my raid, smashed the doors of TR, killed everybody in there, killed the, everything in the keep, took the entire place, and called it a night. Uh, then there's all, all the fallout that comes in, the, the, the big forum thread about raid versus raid fight clubbing, and, well... I, just gonna go ahead and give my my thoughts on the entire thing. Basically, I did a, some analysis and stuff for the event that happened in question. I approached it as a one-time experiment, and that seemed to to work out for the people that were with me at the time. But there there were a couple things that generally it's smarter to steer clear of. Uh, the first and the biggest thing to steer clear of is communication between opposing sides, especially when the developers have gone out of their way to make it supposedly harder to make it difficult to do so. For Lord of the Rings Online, you cannot directly talk to other players in any manner. Uh, you have to either be using a third-party communication system, be logging back and forth on characters, or you have to be using the naming system on pets and banners and stuff like that. Those are pretty much the, the only three ways you can actually communicate between two different sides. So the obviously the intent is the factions don't communicate. So if you're doing something that requires faction communication, typically steer clear of that. Just uh, generally safer not to get involved in that whole stuff. Uh, the second thing is if you get into something where there's a whole lot of rules that have to be put in place and enforced by the players themselves, number one, it's really, uh, it's very scrubbish. Scrubs are the people that create a huge rule set that they lay on top of the existing rules for a game and then they try to force other people to play by their rules. Not only is it really annoying when you've got someone else throwing rules down on top of you, but it's impossible for them to enforce. So if you get into the, that whole kinds of extraneous rule stuff, typically People are going to have their toes get stepped on, egos bruised, and there's going to be a lot of temper slurring stuff. So it's best to avoid those kinds of situations. Uh, the final problem was just the mechanics of how it was all worked out, they didn't work so well. If you try to do fighting with no push zones and stuff and leaving specific people alive, it causes problems, particularly when you deal with classes that are very powerful ones. Like most of the free people's tactical classes, which are the resin classes, are very strong as far as being healers and doing lots of damage and everything. 
you can't afford to ignore them. You have to deal with them somehow, whether it's shutting them down with crowd control and constant interruption and harassment, or just killing them. Something has to be done for them by the creeps, if they're going to be able to be successful. And for the free peoples, they, they've got much the same thing. There are targets that just cannot be ignored if you're going to be successful. So, what, what he was trying to do, which was do open field fighting and raid versus raid and open field away from NPCs, people always talk about how those are great fights and stuff. Good idea, execution not the best, as far as I'm concerned. So would I do it again? Uh, I probably wouldn't. I, as a one-off thing, it's like if I were put back in time and given the opportunity to remake my decision there, I would still do it then, but given an opportunity to go and do a second time, I probably wouldn't, which I summed up my whole explanation and reasons for that on the forums themselves. But generally the, the big problems are, it's really just a, an issue of collusion. Or if, you, if you're doing a lot of faction communication and you're laying down a lot of extra rules and stuff, things aren't going to work very well. And if you can avoid those kinds of situations, particularly if there's a way to achieve the same result without requiring those, those same things, then it's better to go about the other way rather than making things extra complicated because trying to talk to people on the other side is a complication both in terms of actually doing it and then dealing with repercussions for having done it. Making arbitrary rules and trying to enforce them is a headache all of its own in migraine levels. So if you can go about something without those, do it that way. And that's the main reasons I wouldn't bother with that again. Uh, but just those two rules of thumb, if it requires lots of communication, if there's lots of extra rules enforced, Try to avoid those kinds of things, and you'll typically have a much easier time in terms of whatever you're doing in-game. Alright, uh, other important news. Uh, in the Monster Play forums, and uh, this is linked directly to a, an extra site, Akleon you, I think that's how it said, the guy who runs the Black Appendage of Sauron Kinship and their website, he's got a, a thread on their website and then a thread in the forums talking about their thread on the website where basically uh, Sapiens has guaranteed the answers to some questions from the PVMP community and what they're doing is they are amassing a database of the questions and then they're going to spend time voting on the top 15 that will get asked and then they're, they've got a guarantee that they're going to get some answers for this stuff. So that is a, a big thing and it's going to be very interesting to see what questions get asked and what the answers are. And it's a huge step forward in terms of communication. But if you're at all interested in that, please uh, go there and participate. Because that's <laughs> participation is the only way you're going to make sure that, or have an opportunity to make sure that the questions you want answered will get answered or asked in the first place. And then, of course, uh, I believe, I don't think it's been announced yet, but uh, Turbine always does a pumpkin carving contest every October-ish. So uh, that's going to be coming up very soon, and uh, it'll be interesting to see that. I think that this year I might be able to participate since I'm in a part of the world where they actually have pumpkins. <laughs> and so uh, it'll be interesting to see that once again, because there's always uh, some interesting stuff that gets turned in for those contests. And uh, the, the Fellowship Walk is going on. Casual Store of the Mordor is doing this once again. They started on uh, Frodo and Bilbo's birthday, which was the 22nd of September, and that will be going until, I believe, 
close to the end of October. They get about uh, an entire month, and that is a fun drive for the uh, Child's Play charity, and yeah, it's a good cause. Uh, they're doing some very interesting stuff. Check it out on their website, and uh, they also do weekly walks in-game, where they'll pick up where they were last time, which is based on how much money they have, and then they'll walk a certain distance from Bag End to Rivendell. And that's the, the journey that they make. And the last time that they did this, they went quite a, quite a distance, and they actually got a lot more than they had been looking for in terms of how much their pledge was. So uh, we'll see if they can beat their record this year and just how much they're going to be able to raise for the charity. So keep your eyes on that and donate. And I believe that that is all that is of real serious interest to report for player news. So if you want to get... Oh wait, no, no. There is a comment on the blog I need to cover. So uh, let me just pull that up. Let's uh, see what it says. This is from the, on the last episode. It says... Great episode as always. I have kind of a weird question for you. I started up a war leader, and since I'm free to play, I was wondering which trait slots to unlock first for a war leader. I plan on getting them all, but I don't know if I should get corruption or class slots first. From Thargeus. And uh, that's a really tough one, honestly. As I explained when I initially re replied to him, the big problem is that while I feel that class traits do more for your character in terms of monster play and all that, at the same time, you get access to your corruptions a whole lot faster. And so it's kind of a toss-up in that way. But the really big question is going to be where are you going to spend your commendations? Because to get the corruptions or the class traits that you want, you've got to spend commendations to buy them as you get them unlocked, or you're spending turbine points to buy them from the store, one or the other. So if you're going to spend your commendations on class traits, which I think is a bit more likely for most people, particularly those early ranks, you're looking at skills, class traits, and then corruptions, pretty much in that order. That's going to be where your 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 commendations are going to go. It makes more sense to unlock the class traits before you work on the corruptions, just because you'll be picking up class traits faster. As you start to get a bit higher in rank, start getting more commendations between ranks, that's when you're going to start needing to worry more about what your corruptions are, filling out that corruption bar to vastly strengthen your character's base statistics and stuff. And yeah, you're going to need them both eventually. But generally I would say probably work on the, the class traits first in general, and then the corruptions, because I do think that people will tend to buy the class traits first, rather than the corruptions. And especially with some of the really necessary ones, which come at a lot of the earlier ranks, on the roundtables we talk about this pretty much every class has at least one or two traits that they are that are indispensable. Those usually come at either rank two, three, or four. So the damage type traits come at rank four. War leaders they get harsh language, which is a big boost to their healing at rank two. Uh, defilers have a nice boost to their healing and to the threat they get from healing. That's also a, a very low-ranked one. I think it's either rank 1 or rank 3. can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, you've got to look at those kinds of things. There's really big improvements that you get from your class traits and stuff that you're going to slot in and never unslot. So my advice would be go for the class traits first, then go for the corruptions, but uh, try to be balancing it out by rank 5 or so. At about that point, you want to be looking at having your corruptions mostly unlocked and filled, and your class traits pretty much uh, you should have a good a good set for 7 inside of there by about rank 5. 
And that applies to pretty much all classes. Alright, and I think that covers it for player news. Yes, it does. So anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, you can leave a comment on the blog, like Thargius did. Uh, just go to www.throughthepalantir.blogspot.com and you'll see all kinds of stuff, be able to leave comments and such. Uh, you could send us an email directly. The email address is throughthepalantir at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook if you look for Through the Palantir. There is also a link from the blog directly to our Facebook page. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is generally used for episode announcements when they come up. And occasionally other things also come up on Twitter. But we are ttpalantir at twitter.com. Or there's another link on the blog to take you to the Twitter. And of course, you can find our podcast on iTunes or the, uh, the Zoom... Oh, actually, no. I believe that the Zoom Marketplace is closing, so we're not going to be on the Zoom Marketplace anymore. So I think I'll go ahead and mention that here. But uh, typically you can find us on iTunes, or you can find us on the blog. All the episodes are there, and you can download them or listen to them directly. Anyway, uh, that concludes this particular episode. It's a bit of a short one, but, you know, the, this is how it's going to be right up until Rohan launches. Uh, we're just going to be hanging on and waiting for the expansion to hit, because then there will be all kinds of news and stuff to talk about. But more importantly, remember that you have been incapacitated by a podcast. Goodbye.
but <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, since last recording, it's been a pretty light for about a week and a half. I I really spent a lot of time procrastinating on editing and also doing some of the editing and such. And then I also had a couple of videos that I was working on. I really just wasn't getting into game at all. And I really just didn't feel like getting into game. It just wasn't really appealing to me. I ended up playing a lot of Team Fortress 2 instead. Um, <laughs> which is neither here. Which is not really of any pertinence to what we're talking about right now. But eventually I did get back in game. And mostly because of the uh, Harvest Festival. Uh, or Fall Festival. Whatever you want to call it. It's the one with the Haunted Barrel. Uh, I came back in for that, and that was uh, what I really started out with when I first got back in. Uh, and the Drygock run as well, because I signed up for Drygock. That's right. Uh, so anyway, I started up with that whole thing, and that, it was pretty okay. No, 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 no. That's going to go in the blooper reel, or so I'll do something with it. Throw in the blooper reel, figure out later. This is my solution for problems. Throw it, throw it into the blooper reel section. I'll, I'll deal with it later. And this is why it takes weeks for me to edit. Sometimes. It's more of like a, a strange goatee that you'd see in a biker gang or something. It's a bit scraggly and... Yeah, I don't know. Clearly this guy doesn't have a mirror. At least not, not, not a mirror big enough to see himself in. Six mans and instances... I'm good. Today I'm going to talk about just keep calm, don't panic, remember to breathe, watch as I stall. Okay, doing good. Now inhale, now exhale. Now stretch, now put your foot behind your head, now twist into a pretzel. Now eat a pretzel while staying twisted into a pretzel. Now write about your thoughts on cannibalism. Okay, good. Where was I? <laughs> oh, I've lost my train of thought, as usual. Something about instances. Okay. And of course, remember to pack lots of potions, some food, and that... <laughs> and of course, remember, pack potions, food, buffs, and people's opinions on the internet don't really hurt you, and you can help people's opinion. If you're creating a whole lot of extra rules for how something has to be conducted. So anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, you can leave a blog like Thar... Uh, you can leave a comment on the blog. <laughs>